Benfica Podcast is one of the founding partners or founding projects of Benfica Independent. Uh, BenficaIndependent.com is a site where you can find tons and tons of content. Our podcast included Brinco do Batista, Benfica FM, along with uh, uh, audio uh, recaps uh, of games, a lot of podcasts about modalidade, if that's your thing and you want to keep up uh, with the modalidade, but you really don't have the time uh, on your schedule to watch the modalidade on BTV, you can now catch the recaps and also modalidade talk on Befigan Pennant, along with a lot of uh, uh, opinion articles, uh, all independent, everyone with their own opinion. There's no agenda between uh, Befigan uh, Pennant the only thing is that we just want what's best uh, for the club. Uh, Benfica Independent is also on Patreon with two levels of support, one at two and one at five. Uh, and I believe the five gets you some uh, free swag. So uh, if you like the content and if you like what's produced on there, uh, please do support us uh, by going to uh, patreon.com backslash Benfica Independent. Ser benfiquista é uma crença. É uma religião muito grande. A visão do culto. É que dá que é liberado, que é crer, que é vontade, que é o caráter das pessoas. Calma de quem é grande, maior que os maiores. É uma paixão para a explicação. Eu não consigo explicar o que é ser do Benfica. Eu sinto o que é ser do Benfica. Mas de facto uma paixão. E as paixões são assim, vivem-se assim intensamente. Aqui não há nenhuma razão. É paixão, paixão, paixão. Ser Benfica. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to this week's edition of the Bifiga Podcast, episode number 416. And here we are on a on a joyous, momentous occasion. Just tonight, just myself and, and Dave. What's going on, Dave? Nothing much. Alfredo, great to be on. I think this is one of the few times that we're looking forward to uh, coming on to a Benfica podcast. It's been far and few uh, between these last couple of uh, seasons. Sad part is it's just to qualify for the Champions League. It's not even <laughs> like we've we've won something, but uh, I guess we won the 40 million or whatever the amount is this year to uh, to be included into the uh, group stage of the Champions League. But uh, as always, great to be back on here tonight. Yeah, man. Look, I I don't think I've been as excited to come on a podcast for a long time. And like you said, I mean, uh, it's it's just to qualify for the Champions League, right? So it's it's not something that is uh, that's a win over Manchester City or or Man United or Juventus like we had in the Europa League. But certainly, one of the objectives that was uh, delineated for this this early in the season was to have a very good August, and that very good August also included the qualification for the Champions League in which we had to play uh, four games. So it wasn't going to be an easy task, especially early on. Uh, teams still getting acclimated. A lot of guys just coming uh, from the preseason with heavy legs. Then you got an August with eight games, uh, which with these four um, qualifiers for the Champions League. So it was always going to be a hard task. And I'm, I'm sure that, or I'm glad that Benfica was able to qualify. Um, and not only because of uh, of Benfica's history, right? That we deserve to be in in the, in the Champions League or it's our, it's our rightful uh, right to be uh, in the Champions League every year. Um, even though sometimes we're, we're not going to make it, obviously we finished third this past season and that doesn't qualify us automatically, but 
we're hopefully uh, on the right track to be there um, after missing out last year to be there now in 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 consequent years. But before we get into that, let's let's uh, talk about what we got going on tonight. We're obviously going to recap the two games that we played against PSV. We're also um, recap the Gilles Vicente game, which is a game that was sandwiched in between this PSV game. We'll talk about um, Walt Schmidt uh, leaving, the new um, guy coming in, Serbian Radonjic coming in on the loan with an option to buy. And we'll look ahead to Tondela, which is a game that comes up this weekend before uh, the league breaks for international duty. Um, so welcome, everyone. I've, I already see that the, the chat's pretty uh, active. Appreciate everybody uh, tuning in and, and joining in our in our chat uh, and talking about uh, Benfica. So welcome. Join the conversation. Send your questions and we'll we'll get to them as soon as possible. Obviously, as you can see, Cristiano is not here. Cristiano is usually the life of the party of the podcast. Uh, you know, I'll be, I'll be, um, I'll be, be more than happy to admit that he's not here. Couldn't be here today. I'm sure that he wished he could be here today, but unfortunately, he couldn't be here. So let's get things started then, and um, let's get the Juve Sint game out of the way, Dave. And Benfica played Juve Sint this past weekend in a game that, like I said, it was sandwiched in between this PSV. Um, in this PSV fixture, uh, so we'll start with um, we'll start with the with the lineup. Uh, six changes from the first leg um, with PSV. Vlakodimus was in goal. Verissimo, Otamendi, Muratu, uh, Gil, uh, Gil on one side and and Gil on the other side. And and Dave, I can and tell we're you that Gil Vicente. So two, yeah, two Gils don't make a right. <laughs> <laughs> Maite and, and Tarapt was uh, was in the middle, were in the middle. Ramos and uh, Everton on the wings and Yaramchuk um, up front. Dave, even though there was five changes, we still see some guys that really can't get the rest, right? Especially that back third, Verissimo, Otamendi and, and Muratu. Obviously, Muratu is deputizing for Vertonghen, which got hurt in the first leg against PSV, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe I am mistaken. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting all these games confused with all these yeah, matches yep. in like uh, three weeks here. But uh, it was either the first leg or the second leg of the Spartak game. One of one of the uh, the two there. But I was surprised too because I thought reading uh, was reading going into the match that uh, JJ was going to revert to a four four two to rest one of those uh, three center back pairings for the the second leg ultimately here. But he just still decided to go with the uh, the three center backs. Uh, for Gilles Vicente as well, but I was surprised uh, about that going into the match. Yeah, look, I, I think that is uh, ultimately, I think that's going to be our, our, our setup that's going to be used for uh, most of the season. Um, and look, uh, good signs from Befica with uh, with Tarap hitting the upright, but uh, Gilles Vicente was, uh, was nicely organized uh, in the back and, and com compact uh, and really made it hard uh, for Benfica to penetrate. Benfica with some tired legs, obviously, with some changes. I personally didn't like uh, the Gonzalo Ramos introduction, especially where he was set up. Um, he wasn't set up up front, but he was set up in more of a Rafa's position. That's not Gonzalo Ramos. Gonzalo Ramos is a guy that plays in the box. Uh, and, uh, you know, being that he was on the outside, he was less involved, less of a target. So I don't know if, um, if, uh, if I really like that. But look, uh, it was a really tough game uh, for Benfica. Uh, not the best of halves, but but certainly uh, I didn't think that Benfica was uh, was really out of uh, 
control or wasn't in control of the game against Gil Vicente. I just thought that Gil Vicente was was really um, was really organized uh, in the first half. And uh, what did you think of what did you think of the game, Dave? Yeah, it, they definitely were a, a team that was organized. And I know Chris uh, had a laugh when I said they were undefeated uh, coming into this game, being it. Uh, two games but you can tell that they they are a, a team there that is well organized and uh could po potentially pose a, a threat to uh, one of the other bigger uh, clubs in, in portugal there especially playing uh at home um it was uh definitely a, a frustrating uh game especially in the the first half uh, not too many uh chances uh created there um but uh what i took away from it is um especially in the first half when uh, you see when João Mario is not playing, uh, just the impact that he does have on, on on this side here. He's a player that is able to connect the uh, the different sectors, and you could tell that that was one of the uh, pieces that was missing uh, for Benfica in the first half. Yeah, no, definitely, and I think that 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 goes to show. Uh, and obviously, João Mario and 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 Pizzi being introduced introduced in the second half to see if Benfica would uh, would be able to uh, break into that uh, into that uh, Gil Vicente setup. But certainly, you could tell the difference. And look, the guy's not he's not too flashy. He's not the guy that's going to dribble guys. He he doesn't have um, the spin moves that Tarap has. But he's a guy that's that's almost like a econo. You, Dave, you've you've heard of the term econo, right? Is a guy that does very, it does a lot with very little, right? With little touches here and there, with little shows, opening oh, opening passing lanes. And I think as the game developed, um, Gil Vicente also broke down, right? So their stamina wasn't wasn't the best and they broke down. And as soon as they broke down, which basically coincided with uh with Joe Mario coming in, um, it opened up more spaces in between lines for Joe Mario and, and and players uh to operate in. Uh we were fortunate enough to get that that goal uh from uh, Lucas Vrisium and, and Benfica left it late in the 84th minute. Um, and that after a shot from Pizzi, who really didn't seem like it was going anywhere, uh, he mishit that ball. Lucas Vrisium added the presence of mind to kind of trap the ball and hit it with his left foot. And really, he caught the, the goalkeeper off balance when the goalkeeper was following the trajectory of Pizzi's shot, where he was uh, able to uh, direct the ball to... Um, to the other side of the of the goal, and and, and Benfica was uh, on the scoreboard. And like many of these games, really, the worst part is really getting that first in, and it, things things after that kind of open up. And then Grimaldo would four minutes later would have that that screamer that we see uh, once every twenty shots from Grimaldo um, that he uh, that he's able to to notch those in those balls that dip in into the far corner. He's he's almost like a little bit of a is trademark shot, much like Sublinha has that. He cuts in and then he, he just angles the ball or he curves the ball to the far post. Grimaldo, I've seen him score a few of those, of, of those shots. So important win for Benfica, uh, obviously. And, and when you look at, as I mentioned, the games that come fast and, and furious, uh, it becomes uh, extremely hard uh, when you have to play this many games and, and when you're rotating the squad. Uh, but uh, uh, an extremely important uh, win for for Benfica, especially as I mentioned, with uh, with turning the score uh, the squad over. 
so another three points in the league, and and obviously those uh, those trips up north that are never um, are never easy. Uh, but look, we got it, Dave. Stats on this game, man. Yeah, before we get into the stats, we're just gonna let uh, your uh, your boy Darwin just get a free pass here on the uh, the podcast. Oh uh, uh, no, I, I think that uh, that Darwin is officially not my boy. Uh, and he's You're not going to shed a tear for, for Darwin <laughs> next time he scores a goal and takes the shirt. No, I, I mean, I, look, I, I think that, um, look, <laughs> I think that there's obviously something there that mentally, uh, and I kind of, as I'm watching that game, and, and I, I'm pretty sure that everybody remembers that the ball that was passed to him, I think, uh, I want to say it was uh, Andre Almeida that passed up the ball, or or was it uh, Gonzalo Ramos? I that... think it was. I think it was Ramos that uh, that made the pass. To yeah, Gonzalo Ramos passed the ball, and basically he's running onto the ball out of the corner of his eye. I think he sees somebody moving behind him, so he did what he always does, which is not be selfish. Which it, I don't think it works for a lot of center forwards. And he kind of tried to kind of like just sideswipe the ball with his foot, like on a little touch, like almost like a dummy touch, but with the, with the touch uh, for the guy that was behind him. But in that situation, you got to put your foot on that. You just got to put your laces on that, and you got to you got to kill it, especially at the point at the period of of the game in which it was. I mean, if he could needed a game, needed a goal. But I kind of I kind of equated that to. Um, when I was when I was a, a smaller lad or younger lad, uh, and that I used to play with these these older kids, my thing was always obviously I wasn't as skilled as older kids or, or, or faster than older kids. So my thing was always I will play the simplest thing that's not going to get me in trouble. So never too um, never too audacious. To, to to take on somebody, lose the ball, and then be yelled at by by the other guys. So it was always like simpler pass. I get the ball, I get rid of it, and I'm on to the next one. So I kind of like I don't know if that's what, what where where his mind is at, but certainly he needs a lot of mental work um, because I just don't know how um, I was going to get past this. To be honest with you, with you Dave. Yeah, it's it's great that you have yourself, Alfredo, uh, and I love playing like with players like you that keep it simple, look for the open guy, make that touch. But the only position uh, within that starting uh, eleven that's allowed to be selfish is you want a selfish striker. You want him to take the shots ninety nine percent of the time, and especially with his high price tag, fairly or, or not fairly, he has those expectations placed on him now and. Uh, just given the circumstances, 80 plus minutes, you're given that opportunity. You have to take that shot and, and not look for the pass. And uh, just time and time again, he's more looking to uh, to set somebody up rather than take uh, to be selfish and, and take the, uh, the opportunity himself. But uh, like I said, you don't like playing with selfish strikers, but God, that's the only position that you have to be selfish and the best ones are selfish. So uh, kind of disappointed with him always looking for to make that extra pass and move, uh, especially when he's kind of one on one with the keeper there. Yeah, and uh, Fabs is saying that the the Juve sent game was a bit worrying with two defenders scoring. Hey, look, I'll grab I'll grab two goals from anyone. 
even the guy that cuts the grass, if he scores, I'm I'm in for it. Uh, look, I I think I think at this point it has to be a team effort. And JJ did say at the end of the game that the, the defenders are showing the uh, the midfielders and the attack attackers how to score uh, how to score a goal. Look, a goal is a goal coming from whoever it is. But yes, um, in the same manner, there was worrisome when Pizzi was our best scorer. Right? I'm pretty sure this is like the <laughs> second or third straight year where the midfielders and the defenders outscore the uh, the strikers to uh, to open up the season. I should be on that being the uh, stats guy here, but just as my uh, memory, if my memory serves correct, the uh, defenders uh, were our, our main source of goals uh, last season too to open up uh, the season. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so Dave, stats? Yeah, some uh, stats here. It's only the uh, fifth time out of the last 20 seasons that Benfica has opened up the uh, Portuguese league with uh, three straight uh, victories, three for three. And uh, Grimaldo with his 14th goal with a Benfica shirt, seven out of his 14 goals have come outside the box. So uh, like you spoke to uh, earlier, Alfredo, his uh, trademark uh, goals coming from outside the box. Uh, put it on his uh, YouTube highlight uh, reel and uh, send it off to all the big uh, European <laughs> clubs so we can get a, a nice bid for him. Yeah, he's look, he's not our best defender, but certainly is the best that we have. I don't know if uh, I, I don't know. I wasn't sold on Gilles Diaz, and the more I see him play, the less sold I am. And understanding that Gilles Diaz's natural position is not a left back, he's obviously being adapted. I just, I don't know, man. I just don't, I just don't see it. I think that he's got some speed, uh, and he's got feet at times. But um, I'm thinking that maybe uh, Servi would have been a, a better left back than Julius. What does what does everybody think in the chat? Do you guys think that um, Servi could be a, a better left back than Julius? I, I don't know. I'm just not impressed by uh, by Julius at all. I mean, it's still early in. Early in the the season, I, it's not somebody that I would want him to uh, be pushed into a, a match against uh, Porto or, or Sporting, right? If I'm sure he can hold his own against these little uh, monkluge, as uh, our boy Cristiano likes to to say, and well, especially when we've got eight games in uh, four weeks, uh, I think he's uh, he's been all right so far. Yeah, yeah. Look up. Tiago, I don't, I don't, I don't know if he has potential. I guess any young kid have potential, especially when he's playing out of position and he's being, um, and he's being adapted to a new position, right? But I, I, I don't know, man. I just think that sometimes his, his touch is not, uh, is not the, is not the best. Um, and then, uh, and then uh, Victor is saying that uh, I think GLDs could be better, but I think Servi was ideal there. The problem with Servi is that he doesn't have the height, uh, and JJ usually likes his uh, his fullbacks with some height so they could defend on the on the on the weak side when balls are played. Uh, so I don't even think that uh, that um, that Grimaldo fits uh, the profile that uh, JJ is looking for for a fullback. And if you could recall, uh, Grimaldo came in in the Vitoria days, so. Uh, he wasn't around when uh, when uh, when JJ was uh, was at Benfica his, his first stint. So turning our attention to uh, what what brought everyone here in, in the PSV games, uh, right? So I'll, I'll start with um, with the first game uh, played at Stade Luge. And Dave, we were talking about 
um, what's better to play at Stadio Luger or to play in uh, in uh, in the Netherlands uh, first? And after seeing this, uh, do you think we would have suffered as much as we suffered uh, today if we had played the second match at Stadio Luger? No, that uh, the the suffering would have just happened. Uh... I think it would have been a little bit less calmer on the nerves. We would have had the, uh, the fan support uh, at home in this second uh, leg here Uh, playing away in the Netherlands uh, did not help my nerves at all uh, today and been down that road way too many times uh, as of uh, late with this Benfica in European uh, competitions was not, my hopes were not uh, high, especially as uh, the match went on, but Hey, we finally pulled one out, uh, and uh, we uh, we advanced. Not to getting too ahead of ourselves here, but yeah, I think the uh, the fan support in the uh, second leg would have uh, helped us through. But then again, you don't know if we're going down to two uh, one uh, into the second leg, right? Everything uh, happens for uh, a reason, but uh, I think it would have been good to have the fan support in the second leg. Yeah. No, so I'll give you the lineup for that first game. Vlacodimus is in goal. Verissimo, Otamendi, Murato across the back. Gonçalves and Grimaldo. Oh, so there we go. Murato was already in the first leg. Uh, Gonçalves and Grimaldo on, as the fullbacks. Uh, Weigel and João Mario, Pizzi and Rafa on the, on the sides of uh, Yeramchuk up front. Uh, and look, the, the, I think that the first thing that needs to be to be mentioned about this game was the return of uh, fans to Stadio Luge on a European night. Uh, and look, Stadio Zaluge is is a huge stadium. The capacity is for 60 plus. I think that they were allowed 20,000, if I'm not mistaken. I got to be honest, those 20,000 were very loud, very audible. Um, what I have to say about that is, is that um, those 20,000 that were there were Benfica fans that wanted to be there, were Benfica fans they wanted to make the most out of um, their their visit in a long, long time to Saudi Luz. So they were very vocal. I think that that Benfica sometimes, in, in especially before COVID, where the stadiums were getting full, there was a lot of corporate seats. There was a lot of invitations. Um, you saw a lot of people in the, in the crowd taking selfies. They're at the game. They want to show off they're at the game. Uh, people sitting down looking at their phones playing Fruit Ninja or whatever it is. And I think that in a way that kind of dilutes a little bit of, of the passion in the crowd of the people that could be at these games that really feel Benfica and are not because they can't find a seat or because some kind of uh, national conglomerate has um, um a block of 30 seats, let's say, and they will invite customers and it turns into a, you know, to a, some kind of business outing. So it kind of dilutes a little bit from, from the passion that the fans are there. And again, Benfica has kind of played to, to that. They have the corporate club, uh, they have the cheerleaders, they have the fireworks behind the goals whenever they're scored. But to me, seeing these 20,000 people and, and, and hearing them and knowing that they were there to support the team, and they probably uh, never stopped singing from from the beginning to an end or supporting the team. It really, it was really nice seeing that man, especially when you haven't seen that much. Uh, but yeah, Benfica started early, and I think that maybe Benfica was just hamped up uh, by the crowd. Uh, we got on on a scoreboard uh, early, uh, one nothing by Rafa. 
on a, on an assist for Yaramchuk, and then we would finish the half um, with two nothing by Weigel, uh, and we'd go into the half up two nothing. Uh, came back, um, and I, I I know that JJ, both JJ and Jean Mario have both admitted this that they gave the ball to PSV in the second half. They allowed PSV to to have the ball and to have the initiative, kind of like challenge them, come to us. And I don't know if that was a, it was a good idea because that helped PSV grow in a game. And as they grew in a the game, they got more and more confident. Uh, they were able to get on the score sheet, and it would eventually really push Benfica. And now, albeit Benfica was never in trouble and they were able to control, but I think that Benfica shouldn't be that uncomfortable playing at home against a team like PSV. And I'm not saying that PSV is not a good team, obviously, but certainly not at the level of Benfica. Uh, and I thought that even though Benfica wasn't superior to PSV over the two legs, you could say that, right? Uh, I think that a lot of people will agree with that. But I, I thought that Benfica probably could offer more or has more to offer uh, than PSV. But nonetheless, uh, PSV was able to grab one. Goes into the second uh, fixture understanding that they have what it takes to beat Benfica because Benfica just gave them possession of, of the ball. And uh, we head into the, the second leg. Dave, any numbers on this uh, first leg so we could uh, move on to the second leg? Just before we move on to the second leg, you uh, were talking about the attendance being uh, 20,000. Got the numbers, 18,199. I think the they're allowed to have 20,000 in the uh, stadium, but uh, due to the whole... Uh, fan card uh, fiasco they're not uh filling that section right. up so i think that's what brings the uh the attendance uh lower but uh yeah that's all i had uh, to uh on, on this game here yeah so second leg right if you could travels to uh the netherlands and and obviously um today we we saw something on social media that Bifika had been uh been welcomed with uh with, with fireworks at 4 a.m and and certainly uh, look, it's it's never ideal when you have a situation like that because it disrupts the player's sleep. But look, we're we're talking about guys that if they wake up in the morning, they're probably napping in the afternoon after lunch because the game is until 8 p.m. So even though their sleep got disrupted, um, I don't think uh, that would affect the players in terms of you know their their focus and their 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 rest for this game uh but certainly when you do something like that i i think that you kind of set yourself self up for some karma dave yeah you do what's that portuguese saying not to light your fireworks before the the <laughs> festa or something uh something along those uh don't, those don't, lines yeah don't throw your fireworks before uh before the festa or something like that yeah so uh yeah it, it looks good to uh to bite them back in the ass after the work after uh afterwards but these are these are uh, tactics that you usually see in uh, South America, Central America, when uh, you you got international games or your your club goes to play in those uh, those smaller uh, Central South American countries. So I'm, I'm I was uh, a little bit surprised to see that uh, from uh, from the Netherlands and the PSV supporters. But uh, looking back on it, it's just a, a good chuckle, and you can put it back on them now, right? 
Yeah, and and look, I I think that when you see something like that, it it kind of it's a little bit of of small minded team um, culture, right? Because I expect. Anytime you see that is when you're actually intimidated by the team that you're playing, and as a result, you try to find all these distractions and this this these disruptions to the team, hoping that it's going to affect them. So, in a way, that kind of shows some the respect that PSV fans had for for Benfica. Nonetheless, it's it's annoying, but usually those things have a have a way of uh, of coming of coming back around. Uh, so you know, was 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 good. I can't complain. Let's um let's turn our attention now to the game. I'll give you the lineup real quick. Flaco Dimus was in goal. Verissimo, Otamendi, and Morato, Gilberto, and Grimaldo. So apparently, Diogo Gonçalves uh, suffered a knock. He didn't even travel. So Gilberto played at uh, at uh, right back. Weigel, Tarap, and João Mario. And Dave, this is something that we don't see a lot: a midfield trio. So, do you think that this was a way for Benfica to? Kind of try to nullify that PSV um, center mid with uh, with Gotzel, what go go what like however JJ yeah but yeah I think that's what everybody was talking about going into uh, the match uh, the three man uh, midfield and especially including uh, Tarap who uh, hasn't uh, I think it's fair to say hasn't been on the uh, the best form uh as of uh as of late but maybe uh this is just jj's uh tactics uh going into the match like you said to kind of um nullify uh psv's uh uh midfield there but again l- before not to jump too ahead i don't think terapt had the uh the strongest uh, of of games um Obviously, you can point to the fact that the the whole match and the tactics change after the uh, 30th minute after the the red card, but um, but yeah, I, I, I don't think Tarap had, had a it hasn't been playing at uh, at his best lately. Yeah, um, Rafa and Yaramchuk were, were up front, and, and look, I I thought that uh, Benfica started the game well. They uh, they knew PSV was going to come at them, and I think that Benfica always. Uh, remained solid. As a matter of fact, the first really good chance of the game was that uh, was that Rafa chance, uh, and then Lucas Verissim, who had picked up a, a red card in the eight, uh, a yellow card in the, in the eight minute, picks up a red card in the thirty third minute, uh, and at that point, uh, look. And I know that sometimes with the intent, I'm not making excuses for the guy, obviously, but I know with the intensity of of, of the match. Um, there's a lot of adrenaline going through your veins because a lot is at stake, right? Because I think that there's probably not one player on this whole roster, whether they traveled, whether they played, whether they sat on a bench, that does not want that does not want to play in the Champions League. I think every player has ambitions of playing a Champions League, being lined up and hearing the, the Champions League anthem, so on and so forth. Um, so I, I think that some of that adrenaline takes over you and we've seen players make those type of mistakes because it, it almost seemed that they they lose their minds or or they're so focused on on the game and performing that sometimes they they forget what's important uh and uh i i think that there was a, a play by uh that's exactly what happened to lucas verissim and it's a shame because i thought that lucas verissim um has has been very good for benfica uh, both him and Otamendi have been in, been good. 
Uh, Morato has been good too in, in his own right. Uh, and I felt that losing Lucas Verissim was was a huge blow uh, for Benfica. And then going down to 10 men uh, and understanding what PSV was going to bring to you, uh, I really felt that Benfica was going to be in trouble. Um, it was a good thing that we were able to go into the half. And that's what I thought, Dave. Go into the half. Let JJ uh, figure out what's going on. Let JJ correct uh, some of the positioning, set up the team. Um, and it was just one of one of those things. Dave, wh- wh- what were you feeling, man, going into the half, down 10 men and seeing how PSV was? I, I, like I said before, I, it's like I've relived these these European nights uh, as of uh, lately. I, I was, I'm not lucky enough or old enough uh, to experience the glorious European nights like uh, you and uh, Cristiano. I, I'm more with the uh, the European nights going uh, going badly for for us. So um, I was going with the mindset that uh, Benfica is going to concede a goal in the uh, the second half, especially with the amount of pressure that PSV was uh, piling on. Just to, to backtrack, I'll, I'll, I want to get your opinion because I, and especially with uh, your uh, refereeing background, I didn't think that the first foul, especially so early in the game, warranted a, a yellow card, especially in the, the eighth minute. I haven't seen replays of the, the foul again, so I don't know if it uh, if it was that harsh of a, a, of a foul that deserved a, a yellow card, but I felt it was kind of harsh, especially in the eighth minute, considering the uh, the big match. Um, and the referee getting involved and giving a, a card out that early in the match. I think, look, um, you could look at it this way, right? I think that early on, uh, and especially on matches that, that referees feel are going to be intense in terms of the duels that are going to be on the field, I think that you you kind of assert yourself early on as a referee and you try to control the game. Uh, and... I'm not a obviously a subscriber of oh it's uh, it's only ten minutes in or five minutes in you're already given a yellow card no a yellow yellow cards and red cards come out whenever they're supposed to come out uh, but I think that uh, yes there was a foul but I think at the same time uh, and referees watch a lot of film on on players uh, especially of teams that they're going to to ref obviously and they know that both Otamendi and Verissim are guys that are, that are, they like to assert uh, their position very early on. Uh, so I thought that that was the referee trying to get control because if he lets that go by, then the next one is going to be a little a little harsher. It's going to be a little stronger. Uh, and then guys are going to be, you know, so you kind of assert your, 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 your leadership or, or your command in the game as a referee. You got to make sure that... You, players know that you're in charge and i just thought that what it was um right before he picks up the 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 second yellow he has a play in which the referee warns him so the warning was there uh and then look i think i just thought the the foul was uh it could have been avoided but i think that when you're so used to uh approaching plays like that in a way that you approach it it's very hard to kind of uh forget some of that muscle memory as you go and jump as you go and and open your arms to assert your position or to gain some more leverage in, in position i thought that was uh you know it, it could have been avoided but really left benfica on a on a poor position second half 
Um, and, and Dave, I, I was kind of surprised that uh, JJ had Vertonghen um, warming up before the half or right after, uh, obviously, uh, Lukas was, uh, was ejected. I was surprised that he didn't start Vertonghen right off the bench in the second half. Yeah, maybe the, maybe they uh, went over some uh, discussion. Maybe it's because of uh, Bertongan coming off injury. Maybe he's not fit enough to play uh, forty-five. I, I don't. We're not privy to that that information. But um, but yeah, you you would assume if he's fit enough to be on the bench that he should be ready to uh, to go. But maybe JJ, like we had said, JJ has the benefit of, of uh, going into halftime and kind of chatting with the uh, the team and going over their their tactics there so maybe they that was part of the uh, the game plan see how the uh, game goes uh, to start off the second half and they were uh, fortunately awarded the opportunity that uh, they uh, didn't concede in the uh, the meantime and were uh, able to still bring in uh, Bertongan when they did yeah and I I, I kind of um, I thought about that too and, and trying to find some because I, I try to find logic sometimes in the way that JJ does things Jeez. and and I felt I felt like my thought was like okay well PSV has seen Vertonghen warm up uh let's and they're probably expecting Vertonghen to come out right into the into the pitch at, at the start of the second half let's see um how PSV lines up first before we actually make the change. So th there could have been something like that where JJ wanted to see how, how PSV was coming out in the second half, um, assuming that Vertonghen would be in and Benfica will be pulling somebody uh, most likely off the midfield to put Vertonghen in. Uh, so that was my, my logic behind it. But Juan Coutinho brings up a good point. Uh, Vertonghen was a high risk to get injured again. Now, obviously, coming off an injury... Uh, right and going go, being thrown into a game like this with with very high intensity. So I don't I don't know, but uh, like Dave said, if he's on the bench, he's ready to play. Uh, and granted, it might just be on the bench as a precaution, or if Benfica really needs to throw that fourth center back at the end of the game as you're trying to save the game. Uh, but but certainly um, he played, and I thought he I thought he played I, I thought he played well. Yeah, he played well, and, and these are the the nights that you you love uh, experience from guys like Vertonghen and, and Otamendi, right? They these are two players that uh, are highly capped with their uh, national teams, have played in big important uh, matches uh, in European competitions, right? Not to say that uh, Ruben Diaz and uh, uh, wouldn't be able to to do that, but we've seen in the past. Sometimes Ruben Diaz can can uh, can lose his head at, at any moment, too, yeah. right? So it, it's great to have those two veteran uh, center backs uh, there, especially uh, given the circumstances that uh, we were playing through tonight. Yeah, Oscar Taquara Cardoso uh, was saying that Verissim was very nervous today. Um, yeah, very possible because I, I think that even on the post. Um, Post game presser and, and scrums, obviously. Uh, I think that uh, both Grimaldo and uh, Weigel said that the the team really wanted this, and you could see in the, the players' eyes and the teammates' eyes that the team really wanted this. So th there's there's a there's a, a level of uh, of pressure, obviously, because you really want to do that. Uh, we really want to play the Champions League as a player, but also in terms of what 
what Benfica, where Benfica has been in the past, I would say, three, four months and how we failed last season in making a Champions League and how important it is for Benfica to be in a Champions League, not only financially, but also, as I mentioned, for the club's reputation. There was some some history there uh, or some, some pressure there. Uh, coupled with, there's probably prizes that these guys would be awarded if Benfica makes the Champions League. Obviously, the Champions League is a big money grab, uh, and there's there's always game uh, game prizes for these for these players. Uh, if you score, if you win, if you make it to the Champions League, there's bonuses that are awarded. So obviously, these guys not only wanted to get in from a competition standpoint, where you're playing at the highest level um, as a club, but also there's a monetary incentive there as a bonus, right? And, and look, and I know you could it's also all- <laughs> look at it the flip side too. If they don't qualify for Champions League, how many of these players have to be sold to to recoup that that money too, right? So my, some, maybe some of these players are looking at it that I, they might have to uproot their their families out of Lisbon and, and Portugal, and maybe they they had that uh, in their back of their mind too, because we saw that last season when we uh, failed to qualify, we had to uh, to sell instead of uh, purchasing players, right? No, I agree. And if you recall, uh, that's when we lost uh, we lost Ruben Dias because had we made it to the Champions League, we don't lose Ruben Dias. I mean, even JJ admitted that we lost Ruben Dias because we failed to get past Paok. Um, so, so yeah, I don't I don't know if any of those players are in in danger of uh, being sold, but it's, it's possible. It's possible there in that something could happen. Uh, it's possible that now all of a sudden with the winter, with the summer window closing, that some of those guys get put on, on, a, on a shopping window. Um, so I don't know. It's tough, but a lot of guys were nervous. They understood the magnitude of the game. Uh, and I think that, you know, the whole club felt the magnitude of the game. I, I mean, in terms of um, the goals that were set up this early, obviously with uh, Rui Costa, uh, stepping up to take over the president role, one of the things that he that he mentioned as objectives for for the season was um, let's get the team prepared, uh, let's get uh, the modi- the modalidades prepared for the season, let's uh, let's start the league off off on the right foot, let's make the Champions League. Those are some of the the objectives, the most important objectives that were set up by Rui Costa. So understanding that level of expectation and that pressure it's normal that the the players were were nervous but look when you look at this um at the performance of this team and in uh, as a Benfica I, I suffered uh like many many of you uh suffered against the ropes in our own half um it, it was tough man it was tough but i gotta be honest with you dave and uh i was actually trading trading text with uh with saucy and when i saw that ball hit the crossbar on one of the psv chances They're i thought only, uh, the the only one that they pretty yeah much- i thought to myself if you didn't score that and and that kind of reminded them of the brian brian ruiz one where he kind of had an open net and i i think that if if they go to the var i think they use a little bit ahead it might have been called offside but he hits the crossbar on that and i remember texting uh tiago and saying they didn't score now we, we got this in the bag uh so <laughs> look uh, I, I was still nervous up until uh like 30 seconds before the whistle was blown when the uh, psv player was called for the handball and then they 
pan to uh, JJ and you saw the players behind JJ uh, starting to celebrate. That's when I think I, I started to feel a little bit uh, confident that we were going to actually pull it through, but it's still up until the 90 plus minutes. I was uh, still shitting bricks. Yeah. No, I, look, um, absolutely. Uh, I thought that it, it's hard and it's hard to kind of single out any one player uh, because when you, when you see how much the team ran and, in and in the effort they put in, uh, it's hard to single out one one player. But yeah, Grimal. I think Grimaldo was a little bit embarrassed uh, by how bad he got beat in the first leg. Uh, and, and I thought that from very early on in the game, he was focused on stopping this kid, uh, and he did very well. Uh, I thought he did. Uh, I did. I thought he did very well. I thought that Weigel. Somebody's already meant. Uh, Tiago has already mentioned in the chat that. Vigal had a great game. I thought that Joe Mario again, great game. Um, I Yaramchuk, I think he's a guy that's still getting used to the team. Uh, but when you go down to 10 players and now all you do is defend, and and Yaramchuk is almost put on on an island, um, it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough for him. So I thought that uh that he was probably the one that I was least pleased with but understanding the the situation now there's not much um i thought that the guys that that came in did well under the circumstances look i i think that this is not a a situation where we're sitting here and and saying this this guy sucks and and this guy is no good or this guy didn't have a i think you got to look at it as a team effort i think the team really wanted to be in the champions league and when you want something really bad good things happen uh, a lot of guys mentioned how they've been working working together for now for over a year, and the t- the team is finally hitting stride. Uh, there was a couple questions that annoyed JJ, um, especially about uh, uh, Vlakodimus. And again, he was asked about Vlakodimus. He had a good game um, in the first leg. He had another good game uh, in this leg. He had a game a good game against Chelsea. Said, "Look, for me, I think it's just the media trying to feed off something that's not there." Uh, obviously, facts. Vlakovimus lost his spot in international break. He had he didn't have two kind of words to to say about the club. Comes back this year. Most likely, he's had a meeting with JJ. Was off or or was offered? Not not that he was offered, but there was an opportunity for him to be um, the first keeper, right? Or take over the position because Elton wasn't going to be able to play the first game domestically. So I think that Vlakudimus was given more reps because of that. And look, quite frankly, the guy has grabbed this opportunity as he played, as he played uh, um, out of his head. Absolutely. But that's what we pay him for. We pay him to make those saves. Um, so it's not like when he's asked about uh, Vlakudimus and he says, yeah, those were, Save of balls. Yes, they were. That's why the guy's there to make those saves. Dave, what are do you, you think, man? Are you saying Vlaco Dimos had a come to Jesus uh, moment? Is that uh, what, <laughs> literally what happened to, yeah. start, to start the season? Yeah, yeah, he, yeah he literally had the, uh, the come to Jesus moment. Look, yeah. I, I, I think when there's animosity between the coach and between a player, you kind of have to to eat a little bit of humble pie, and you have to kind of address that whether it's your whether it's the player's fault or the coach's fault it needs to be addressed and you can move on 
Uh, right. So there's been a lot of talk that Vlakodimos was talked about going here, going there. But the fact of the matter is right now he's Benfica's number one keeper. And I don't even think that anybody could argue that. Uh, and you could argue that he's probably at the same level as as Elton with Elton bringing something different to the table than Vlako Dimus does. I think that uh, Elton is better off the posts. I, and I think that Vlako Dimus is better in the posts. Uh, so whatever. But the, the issue is here that the guy has grabbed this opportunity. And, and I think that, um, that Benfica is actually the Portuguese media uh, is making a lot out of the situation that really doesn't exist. Uh, so, You know, it's just they're it's trying just... to make something, and but JJ's not giving them an ounce of, of anything. He won't give Vlaco any credit, at least publicly in the uh, media. He's just saying it was a good defensive game by everyone uh, in the defensive sector. He refuses to name Vlaco the uh, the man of the match or the man of the last two uh, two legs between these two. So uh, JJ's also playing around with the media. He knows what he's doing in the media. Know what they they're trying to do to to pinch it and get uh, get a reaction out of JJ. Yeah, that, look, the media is trying to find uh, a narrative that it's not there, uh, right? And uh, the fact that JJ said, oh, these those were savable balls. Now all of a sudden it's hit, oh, he's down playing Vlaku Dimus. And he could have been playing mind games with Vlaku Dimus, right? We're, we're saying, well, you had a good game. I recognize the good game. I may have even gave you... Uh, uh, praise for having a good game uh, within the confines of the locker room uh, or I didn't but what I'm going to do is said is 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 kind of say to in the media said yeah those are savable balls because I need to keep I need to keep my keeper motivated I need to keep my my keeper uh, in the running for that position and if I give him too much praise Maybe he'll get too big of a head and he'll start resting on his laurels while the other guy is working hard and now he might take you over. So it's within the best interest of JJ that to keep those guys motivated because the more they push each other, the better they become to me. Yeah. And 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 Bruno Bruno is asking, uh, I hope there's no beef. I don't think there's any beef, man. I think I just think that the that uh That the media makes too much out of it, man. I really And, do. Oh, oh, oh! said it after the the match too. Whatever's happened is uh, in the past is in the past, and he's just looking forward to moving on with this this club. I I hope that's the the case, and there's there's no hard uh, hard feelings. I still question some of his his uh, decision making when he's coming out for for crosses, but you can't deny that the man's. Uh, a great uh great with his reflexes and able to uh save the ball when he uh when he does yeah yeah no absolutely look a great great um great fixture uh, or set of fixtures for benfica um in which you know after last year's heartbreak and and how much we had to put up with last year i think that uh we needed this we needed this uh to start the season uh, a season which by the way Is going very well. I, I think that we haven't had uh, the first eight undefeated games in, in a long time, uh, Dave, but you could probably tell me that. But I think that a lot of the fans need this. Um, JJ needs this. The team needs this. Um, Rui Costa needs this. Uh, and not that I'm a, a Rui Costa fan, obviously, but uh, I, I think that things like this are going to 
unite people more. And I think when the fans are united and rallying behind the team, regardless of who they support in terms of the directive, I think only the team has to gain from this. And it's very simple. It's very simple. We often say uh, winning cures all. And that's exactly what it is. That's how many right. people, uh, how much have you heard about Rui Costa and, and, and Luis Fiera and, and this and, and that and, and uh, offshores? You really haven't. All you really have heard about is Alvarisim is playing well. Avlakadimus is playing well. Almuratu has, has been given an opportunity after Vertonghen went down and he has done well. A guy that we paid $8 million to come and play for the B team. All you've you've really been hearing is positives, and it's good. It's good for Benfica fans. Benfica fans like to be happy. They like to see the team win. You know, yeah, it's good. It's it's been a while. It's been a while, and I was just gonna say, just uh, I think it was Al Davis, uh, a Raiders uh, owner here for our, our American and Canadian listeners here. You just keep it simple. Just win, baby. Right? Winning cures all, like you you said. Nobody's creating uh, stories out of uh, nothing. We're not talking about off the field matters. We're uh, it feels good. Let's knock on wood, say, pray the rosary, light a candle. Let's keep this up. I know it's still very early on in the, uh, the season, but hell we deserve this after the last couple of uh, seasons that uh, we've been put through. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, Somebody had said, uh, or actually, I, I, some somebody had said earlier in the chat, and I caught it. This is kind of shadows of when Benfica played in in to, in, in uh, at Juventus, uh, down a man, and was able to pull out that that epic epic uh, qualifying uh, past Juventus to. Uh, I think that at the time it put us in the finals, right, of the Europa yeah, League. Yeah, the Europa League, and that. That was the year that we played uh, Sevilla, and that would have been that was in uh, Juventus' stadium as well. The final. Yeah. And Nelson Carvalho brings up a good point: is 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 the biggest winner today, Rui Costa? He could call well, the election tomorrow, probably, <laughs> and, and get a unanimous vote, probably at this. And, and and that's the thing, man. Uh, and here's the thing about what today's win does: number one, it injects thirty nine million um, into your coffers, right? Number two. Any players that you had on a holding pattern uh, that were waiting to see if Benfica was going to make the Champions League, now all of a sudden the door is open. So in that aspect, and in, in terms of how the team could improve in terms of what players can come in, because there, there's still some some positions that are lacking in this uh, in this in this team in this roster. Uh, obviously, the, uh, I think the fullback uh, position. Uh, is lacking on both sides. So it, there's an opportunity that now guys that were in a holding pattern to think that, well, let's see if Benfica plays in Champions League because I want to play Champions League ball, right? Uh, because as you know, many guys out there, they rather play Champions League ball than Europa League or not be in Europe at all. Um, so this opens a lot to him. Uh, it also, any guys that could have been on a fence or could have turned against them in terms of how shitty the team is doing or not making the Champions League again. Uh, now he has that support, right? Uh, because for a lot of guys, the most important thing is if he could win, they don't care at what price. Um, so uh, Rui Costa is a huge winner in this one, but I think that the, the biggest winner in this one is Benfica because uh, not only for the financial gain, but also – because a win like this and 
a qualification in the Champions League unites the fans. Fans are very excited about seeing this team um, measure uh, their talent against the biggest talent in Europe. And look, it's going to be tough. We're in pot three. Uh, I believe that the drawing happens this Thursday, Dave. Correct me if I'm Thursday, wrong. Yeah. Do you want me to go over the, the pots here? I've got the, yeah. the let's, different pots. Let's, let's do that. Yeah, in pot one, we've got uh, Chelsea, Villarreal as the uh, Europa League winners, uh, Atletico Madrid, Manchester City, Bayern Munich, uh, Inter Milan, uh, Lille and Sporting are in uh, pot one. Pot two, uh, Real Madrid, Barcelona, uh, Juventus, Manchester United, PSG, Liverpool, uh, Sevilla, and Dortmund. I think I saw in the comments earlier that uh, pot two might be more uh, difficult than uh, pot one. Uh, pot three so far, Porto, uh, us, Ajax, Leipzig, uh, Atalanta, uh, Zenit. Uh, there's, uh, and then in pot four, we've got uh, Besiktas, Dinamo Kiev, uh, Club Rouge, Young Boys, uh, AC Milan, Malamo, and uh, Wolfsburg yeah. with three uh, three more spots uh, still to be determined uh, after tomorrow's match. Right. So uh, it's not going to be easy. And look, I think that any team um, that Benfica will be grouped against, and obviously we don't know until Thursday, is going to be just as good as PSV. Uh, I think that pot one, if we're lucky with the draw, um, obviously we're not going to be able to draw uh, Sporting, but if we could draw Lille, Lille hasn't been all that great this season. As a matter of fact, they're still looking for their first win, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but certainly, look, this is where we belong. We belong with the cream of the crop of, of European uh, competition. And I think that's where we need to be. Uh, so, but look, uh, we've had tough groups. We'd have easy groups where we really haven't done all that much. We really need to get more than seven points because I think that the most we've been able to get these past couple of times at the Champions League is seven points, and seven points usually doesn't not do it. Um, so we hope uh, we hope that we'll do it now. And I think that uh, now that I think the team could relax a little bit, um, focus in the matter at hands. We got Tondela coming up, which we'll discuss next, and then we got an international break where the team could finally take a breather um, from this very extremely busy august um so dave any more numbers on this game do you want to uh, bring up or can we move on yeah just a quick recap uh here this will be uh, benfica's 16th appearance in the uh, current champions league uh, format which started in 92 93 uh back-to-back -back european matches that uh, benfica hasn't conceded uh away in uh, european competition uh, and that's something that hasn't happened in the last uh, five seasons which uh, just goes to speak how uh, dreadful these european uh, away nights have been for the club as of late and uh, last but not least, Benfica has only allowed two goals in their first seven matches uh, this season. Best defensive record since 99-2000 uh, season. Yeah, yeah. Um, so now we turn our attention to domestic uh, competition. We will play Tondela at Stadio Luz this Sunday at uh, 6 p.m. local. Tondela, one win, two losses. What else have they been up to? Uh, just uh, historically, 10 wins, one draw, one loss uh, against uh, Tondela. You touched upon their uh, record uh, so far this year, the one win coming against Santa Clara. 
uh, who's been uh, seems to be resting their players for the uh, Portuguese league and uh, really going for it in the uh, conference league. Uh, and their two losses coming against Vizela in uh, uh, uh They do have Tiago Dantes on uh, on Tondela, but I don't believe he'll be eligible to play against uh, us this weekend. You will not. But quite a few other familiar names here as we face this Tondela. Daniel Luzangers, who was uh, a center forward for the B team for quite some time, uh, he took a pause because he had a um, problem with his heart. Uh, he's back in professional football. Uh, Befica released him. He signed with Tondela. He's been scoring some. I think he's. I, I saw him at least score one, two goals uh, for Tondela in that game against uh, Santa Clara. Uh, Jean Murillo was also a player at some point under Benfica contract. And Salvador Agra, one of those deals where Benfica buys and the guy never even wears a, a jersey for Benfica. So quite a, a few names that. Um, uh, that are familiar to Benficistas. Look, the biggest thing about this game is is coming off a, an extremely hard game uh, in terms of both mentally and physically against PSV. I hope that there's enough time, and it should be because we're playing on Tuesday and now we're playing on Sunday. I hope that there's enough time that the team could not only rest, but refocus on finishing up um, this August in a perfect manner, or or without uh, losing a game uh, in this uh, in this month of August. That would be uh, really good. And then heading into the international break, and I know that international breaks can can sometimes be momentum killers, uh, but I think in 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 this uh, stage. Uh, of Benfica season, especially as many games as we played in August, I think that a lot of people are going to welcome, a lot of people at the club are going to welcome this um, this international break. Um, so as we close up, a couple more house cleaning uh, points. First ones was um, uh, Lucas uh, Waldschmidt sold to Wolfsburg for $12 million. Uh, so let, let's talk about Waldschmidt, the kid that came in last season. Uh, that uh, Benfica had uh, great hopes for him, obviously, and if they didn't, they wouldn't have handed him uh, the number 10 jersey, uh, but certainly a German international, uh, a player uh, that had been shining in the Bundesliga. And I, I think that there's a couple things, right? And I'll offer my opinion. I'll ask yours, uh, Dave. Um, one, he was never able to adapt to to Lisbon. Um didn't understand Portuguese. He admitted himself. Sometimes he didn't understand. And I think that he's also a victim of the system change because he played as a second forward. Uh, and if you recall, when JJ played with second forward, he was almost the one guy that he was picked. And now going to just the one forward set up and two wide men, now Luca Walshmidt now all of a sudden loses his place. And I think that he saw the writing on the wall. And I think that he... he JJ says that you wanted to go back home and and look, I don't blame him because um, he was being called to the German national team. Then he stopped. Uh, he was going to go to the Olympics, but uh, Benfica didn't let him go to the Olympics. So that, I, I don't know if there was another factor that kind of uh, that kind of played uh, too much into it. Uh, but uh, look, I, I like the kid. Um, he didn't meet my expectations. He had a bad season, but hey, 
Wood didn't have a bad season. I think even the coach had a bad season last season, right? Because it was in a typical season. For God's sake, Sporting won the championship. You want it any more typical than that? Uh, so, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. But certainly there, there's there's an adaptation factor there. There's a factor that he's not getting playing time and he wants to get back home. He might be homesick. I don't know. Dave, what do you think? From from a business standpoint, I, I don't like the 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 loss of the three million. If we paid fifteen and we're only taking twelve, especially we're not talking about a player here that's thirty years old and going into the the twilight of his career. It's still a player that uh, is still young and has that potential. So from the pure business aspect, I don't like losing the the three million, especially with a, a club like Benfica stature, where we're used to flipping these players for uh, for a profit. But on, on a personal aspect, like you touched upon, uh, Alfredo, we don't know, maybe behind the scenes, he forced this uh, this move out of uh, Portugal. Like you said, maybe never got uh, used to the uh, Portuguese football and didn't understand uh, Portuguese and uh, was homesick. So I can understand it from uh, a personal aspect uh, as well. But from uh, a pure business and uh, money and sense aspect, uh, I hate losing three million on a player that uh, you could see the potential was there to at least turn somewhat of a profit, if not break even. Yeah. Well, what Benfica did, and, and they were kind of smart in doing this, uh, they, whatever intermediary fees were to be paid from the 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 sell of him, Benfica is not uh, responsible for them. So Wolfsburg would have to pay any agent fees. Uh, Wolfsburg would also have to pay any formation fees, uh, which is basically whatever club formed or had the rights of formation for, for Luca Walschmidt usually gets a cut of the sell. Uh, and Benfica kind of in their contract, uh, kind of excluded themselves from that. So yes, look, we lost 3 million, um, out of the deal didn't work out player wasn't happy uh, I think that overall you kind of have to understand and I think that he, he, there was a lot of expectations for Luca Walshman he didn't meet the expectations very very simple I think that's that's the straightest and, and most black and white way that we could look at that um, so look uh, I wish him a lot of luck um, obviously didn't work for JJ Pudrinho didn't work for JJ. He's killing it over Shakhtar. Uh, so I, I wish him a lot of luck, and I hope he does well at Wolfsburg. And, and maybe one day, you never know. Uh, but uh, with young players, you know, it's always tough. It's always tough. And despite having uh, Weigel in the team and another German, and also uh, um, Odysseus, who also speaks German, couldn't adapt, which, which I understand that. I understand that. Um, on the reverse, or actually not on the reverse, but coming in, a Nemanja Radonjic um, winger, a right winger, loan from Marseille, Dave? Marseille yeah, or Lyon? Marseille. Marseille, Marseille with the $7 million option what, to buy at the end of the season. Yeah. From, from, what, I've, um, from what I've heard about, uh, about uh, Radonjic is that he's a uh, Rafa uh, 2.0. Fast, could dribble, uh Final third lacks a lot of sharpness and also the decision making pro the decision making in the final third is often not that great. Um, but look, we shall see because sometimes guys have a way of uh of really adapting and fitting in and and the coaches can pull the most out of them. Um so 
I don't know, man. We'll, we'll just have to see. But I think that uh, obviously with Padrino leaving, uh, we were kind of uh, a little bit in, we we're a little bit short on the wings. So I think that Benfica was looking for the wings. I and I hope that Benfica is not done here. Um, so it's a it's a low risk move, right? There's no mandatory uh, fee to 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 buy at the end of the year if he's being brought in just as a insurance slip on uh, Rafa. Uh, I think it's a it's a good uh, good get. We do this was made before uh, knowing whether or not we were going to get the uh, the Champions League money. So there is still about. Uh, a week left before the transfer market closes. Maybe we go out and get uh, another winger, but uh, we've uh, we've gone to the Serbian well uh, a couple of times in years past, and uh, and it's paid off uh, well for the club. So let's see if we can uh, find some more gold. Uh, yeah, in that hey, well here. the last Nemanja we had did pretty well for us. So let's hope that he could, uh, this guy could do well for us also. So, uh, and like uh, SLB uh, EES is saying, I hear he has no end product. Hope he can at least feed balls to our strikers. Yeah, that's what I heard too, dude. I heard that uh, he's good, he's he's fast, but in terms of uh, the last ball and and decision making in the final third, he, he lacks. But like I said, well, I'll hold my uh, judgment until I actually see him play. What else, Dave? Uh. That's all that I had. Anybody, uh, you want to go to the uh, the chat or you want to wrap it up here? Because I've got yeah, we could else. do either way. Any you guys have any questions? I know that the chat's been going crazy, and it's just been me, Dave here, and I've been trying to catch up, uh, keep up with the chat. Usually, when Cristiano is here and he goes on his rants, I could uh, take a look at the chat and, and keep up with the chat. But with Cristiano not being here, uh, just uh, Dave and I, so I just uh, haven't been uh, throwing as many questions or seen many questions up. I know that they've been engaging. Yeah, with saying Chris uh, not here, I gotta pull up the stats of uh, victories when Benfica go when Chris is away from the podcast. Benfica pulls off these these victories here, so I gotta pull up some uh, some stat here where Benfica's record when Chris is away from the podcast because I'm pretty sure there's a, a positive record even when Benfica's at their lowest of lows. They turn out to go on these uh, these streaks, these winning streaks when Cristiano uh, is away from the podcast. <laughs> Dave, you might be onto something, dude. I don't know exactly. Uh, here's uh, all right. Let's let's uh, Bruno uh, Singer is it Singer or Singer? I think it, I I knew somebody in Portugal, a classmate of mine that uh, his last name was Singer. So I don't know if it's well, obviously in, in English is Singer, right? But Singer was uh, in Portuguese. Uh, he says, "Do you think that Benfica have a a chance to reach the quarterfinals?" Look, I I think I think Benfica is deep enough. Um, I think that JJ, if JJ continues to progress this team, that Benfica could could have a, a good chance to come out of uh, the group stage. But look, it's going to depend on who we uh, who we line up in the group stage, and then if you make it into the knockout stages, it has a lot to do who we who we draw in that first uh, in that first game. Uh, so, do I think that Benfica are extreme underdogs? To there you go, it's Singer. Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, do uh, do I think that Benfica has um, has potential to 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 scrap with a lot of teams? I I think Benfica does. I think that this is probably uh, the most solid defense that I've seen from Benfica um, in terms of Jean Mario's introduction to the team. He's also been really really good, uh, and everybody's really seen what Jean Mario brings. But I think that. 
we probably need another box-to-box guy because I, we can't be too dependent on João Mario. What if João Mario gets hurt? Then what? I mean, that whole Benfica midfield will get transfigured because João Mario is not there. So we kind of need another another eight. Um, so we were open that Maite was going to be, but so far what I've seen from from Maite it has not it's not impressed me, man. So I hope it's just early adaptation, getting to know the team. I know it's a position that JJ asks a lot of, and it takes a little bit to get adapted to that. But um, but we'll see, man. But so far, he hasn't really impressed me. Uh, Nelson Carvalho, where do you think we need to strengthen before the window closes? I'd like to bring in another mid who can back up João Mario. Yeah, just said that. Um, fullbacks. Uh, I know that we were um, we were looking at uh, Lazaro from from Inter to possibly come in. Uh, from what I'm reading, that everything's uh, agreed upon. Uh, he was just waiting for Benfica. confirmation of Champions League, right? Yep. So, so probably going to be announced within the next couple of days. That could have been it. Um, I think we don't have to go to the market for a forward. I think that Yaramchuk uh, he, he struggled a little bit, uh, especially in after that first game. Uh, but look, I new player, new team, new teammates, demanding coach. I think he's there. I think he's there. Um, so we'll see. Saucy, does uh, Samit get taken off JJ after the last season? He said he needed more time with the team. He's, he's definitely making a case for himself. He made a case for himself when he said that um, that COVID had really affected the team and as the team picked up momentum towards the end of the season, but then we ended the season as we did. Uh, but, but certainly... JJ usually works on a on a three year cycle, uh, and then second and third years when the teams really start maturing, we start seeing results. So, yeah, I think that some heat. I think that if he doesn't make it to the Champions League, and he has a poor start, a poor first month, um, JJ's leash is is very very short. So I think he might have gotten a little bit more leash now that will allow him to do uh, some more. Uh, and I don't think JJ is going to go to the Champions League to f around like uh, like Brun Lage and Rui Vitória used to go, like uh, like <laughs> putting so in the like B, the, the putting B in the B team. team. The young guys, yeah. But yeah. I, I think it would have been really uh, unfortunate for uh, for JJ if Benfica wouldn't have uh, qualified today based on the circumstances of the the red card at the 30th 30th minute. I don't think that falls on JJ, but you know, all the J- anti JJ haters would have pulled out their pitchforks and started going after the guy. And I, I don't think that that falls on him when. You have a player get the the red card in the thirtieth minute, but any little any little spark to uh, to light their fire, they would have been on uh, JJ. Yeah, you know? it definitely made things interesting. Made things interesting, and but he was he was feeling the pressure. Uh, Nelson Carvalho, I'm thinking Yustaki. Do you uh, do you guys rate him? Oh, I I thought that Yustaki was an interesting player. Obviously, standout player for Canada, as you Canadians all know. I actually thought that uh, before the end of the season, there was a lot of buzz and Eustachio joining Porto, and then he never did. And I don't know yeah. what happened. And if you recall, at the end of the season, um, Eustachio's team, and I don't know if it was Passo Ferreira or Tondela that he was playing for, uh, that he picked up a red it card. It was Passos, because that was a big game against Benfica. He was got the red card in yeah. the 20th minute, and it changed the match, and JJ dug in on, on him. So I don't know if that's... Yeah, it was, know, a, the, it was the a red card. behind that. It was a red card, and I, I thought that at that point that he had everything set with, with Porto, right? 
and look, he obviously uh, look. I'm not saying that the guy would there was any malice behind the tackle, but certainly it was a it was a numbskull tackle on his part that uh, you know really affected his team. But I really thought that things were all uh, all the lined up uh, for him to join Porto, but he never did. I think he's interesting, man. I don't I'd know love, if I'd he's... love to see him on the club. That's just my Canadian bias uh, in <laughs> me because God, it would be. So, so it would be terrible for me to cheer for him on the national, on the Canadian national team, if he put on the uh, the blue and white uh, kit instead. So, I'd love to see him uh, in a Benfica kit. Yeah, yeah. So just scares also saying I like uh, Maite's ability to win the ball in the mid in the middle of the field. He dribbled a bit too much today, though. Uh, I, look, I I just think that today Benfica was trying to hold the ball, hold the ball, and because every time Benfica got the ball, it was always it was a boot. Somebody was booting it, and they were coming right back down our throats. So he's trying to hold the ball. Obviously, that's understandable. I don't know. I'm still the jury's still out on him. Uh, anyway, next week we'll be back. We'll we'll break down. Um, we'll break down the the Tondela game. We'll also look uh, back at at um, August um, and with the international break looming. We'll look back at August and, and see how um, how Benfica has done this August. Thanks, everyone, for, for those of you that took the time to be in the chat and, and uh, the conversation was good. I saw that. It was great. And follow us and listening to us uh, at 87DO87, at Bifika Podcast, where you can find us on Twitter and all that those other social media um, channels. Anyway, thanks, everyone. Talk to you next week. Later. Ciao.